Welcome to the Real Education Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Bowles, and on this show, I interview remarkable people who think way outside the box in education. To listen to more episodes, learn more about my guests, or become a patron of this ad and sponsor-free show, visit blakebowles.com slash podcast. You can also email me at yours truly at blakebowles.com. Now, on to the show. My guests today are Thomas Parker and Nancy Tilton of the Agile Learning Centers. Thomas and Nancy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Blake. All right, let's start with the name, Agile Learning Centers. What does that even mean? What's an Agile Learning Center? Well, um, an Agile Learning Center is, I guess, in a lot of ways, an intentional learning community for self-directed learners. Um, it's a name that really represents kind of a, um, an emergent model that has changed and is changing, um, but is meant to be applied to self-directed learning communities of various shapes and sizes. Um, so far, there's two K-12 uh, or one pre-K-12 and one K-12 school that use the model, and um, a few homeschool collectives have been using it. And it's also something that we feel could apply to a school within a school or an after-school program and a summer camp, which is already um, part of the mix as well so far. So um, that's a kind of pragmatic answer. Um, we, we borrow tools and practices from agile software management to create healthy cultures in the school. You know, one of our fundamental roots is that you learn more from the culture and environment that you're immersed in than from the content that you're taught. So healthy culture creation is our number one focus um, in, in those schools. So an Agile Learning Center is not a, a physical center necessarily. It's more of a, a framework that can be applied to a center or, like you said, a summer camp or a homeschool group. Um, can, can an individual apply an Agile Learning Center uh, approach? Yeah, and, and families too. Um, Bruce Feiler, is that how you say his name? He has a, a great TED talk called um, Agile Programming um, for the Family. And we've had families use some of our tools and practices at home to do family meetings and to, you know, create a, a happy home life as well. Um, and there's definitely tools and practices that you could use for your, your own personal management. Thomas can probably speak more to that. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess. An Agile Learning Center, in my mind, kind of refers more to the collective community entity that's applying, you know, various parts of the ALC model or toolkit. And um, so, you know, there's lots of personal development and personal um, uh, workflow and project management tools and that kind of stuff that you could use as an individual, but there's also this kind of um, the other piece to it that is equally important is the community aspect and learning to collaborate with others, um, learning to create uh, something that's bigger than just the sum of the individuals. So um, that shows up everywhere in our lives. So like Nancy said, you could apply that to family, to um, lots of different groups and communities. Um, so yeah, so far the distinction has been around schools and, and kind of homeschooling, unschooling, learning communities. 
but I suppose it could it could branch out even further than that. Um, well, that's well. Our, you know our friends in Asheville, Steve Cooperman and Liam, who I, I know you know, um, are using some of our tools and practices as they create this giant co-working space, and that ju it's just uh, ways that a community can communicate with each other. And I use this; with, I share space with our school. We rent from a church, and we use a community mastery board to just keep all the people who rent space from the church in touch and, and communicating with each other in a positive way. So we're throwing around a lot of pretty heady abstract terms here. And in this interview, I hope we're going to, we're going to see how this looks. And I know Nancy, you run an, an ALC called Mosaic and Thomas, you are more on the, the back end, the development end of things and uh, working to train some facilitators. We'll talk about that also. Um, first of all, I'd like to quote from your website because I think you have a really great five line kind of something that draws you in and makes you gives you a more concrete vision of what this could be. And I'm, I'm going to read it from your website. It says, if we want our children to grow up to be independent, why not give them practice and self-direction? If we want them to be motivated, why not let them pursue what interests them? If we want them to be passionate, why not let them engage in and explore what they love? If we want them to be creative, why not give them the opportunity to design their own education? And if we want them to create a better world, why not let them get started now? So it sounds to me like what you're describing with those really eloquent lines is a uh, is a free school or something like a, a North Star uh, that Ken Danford and I talked about on the first episode of the podcast. And so what makes an Agile Learning Center a school um, different from just a, a free school where young people go and they kind of enjoy the freedom of self-direction within the, the boundaries of kind of, you know, community rules? Um, well, a few things. I mean, I think in a lot of ways it is a free school. Um, it's just, it's just a kind of intentional way of going about creating and structuring and sustaining one. Um, so that's kind of part of, you know, the, this whole project idea came, um, from a friend of mine and, and a, a mentor to, to Nancy and I, who we work with Arthur Brock, who, um, was a parent at Manhattan Free School when I was working there and um, kind of started having conversations with, with him about what it would look like to kind of bring the free school concept in, into the 21st century. Um, his experience in that world back in the 90s and my experience with that world in, in New York um, had some similar crossover. And, and so his idea had really come from doing that um, helping start a free school or two, and then going and working in software and seeing some of these crossover patterns that were being developed in the software world and, and how they could be applied even more effectively than some of the structures that are used in free schools, I think. so. And, yeah, just providing more lean tools and practices to help um, make the focus of the kids on, on when they come to school. It's, oh, what can I do today? What can I create today? Instead of like what, you know, like, in, in a lot of democratic you know, free schools, you've got these long meetings. And one example that we'll give this question comes up in our parent interest nights is, you know, let's say you have like kids trying to decide like, oh, we got a microwave. Where should we put the microwave? Oh, we should put it over here on this table. No, we should put it over here. And then like three hours later, <laughs> this decision, put the microwave. Ah, uh, democracy. 
and then you feel like, it, and even if that decision ends up being a horrible decision, you don't want to move the microwave because you spent three hours debating it. Whereas You're so terrified of ha- going into another meeting and spending <laughs> three hours talking about the new location for the microwave. Right. And at, at our change-up meetings, we, we, we lean it out a lot. And we just kind of like, we understand that we are adults in this space and we, we're not better or you know anything than the kids, but we actually do have some more experience. And so there are times where I'm like, okay, guys, how about we try this out for a week? And then next week at change up meeting, we'll just assess how it feels. And then you're not like, then you're like, oh, well, you know what? The microwave is in the blue table. That doesn't feel good. Let's try it over here. And you're not actually committing. And then this goes, that's just a simple example, but this could go for, you know, really big things. Like, you know, I had kids were making, you know, losing my Chromebooks at school. We came up with a solution for it. You know, we tried out for a week and that, you know, then we keep adding on and changing it with the kids. So it is democratic and the kids are co-creating with us. But the the structure in the way that we do it is so much leaner, um, and I and I feel like effective and allows the kids more time to self direct, more time to play, more time to create, and, and focus on the things they want to focus on. It's really interesting. I haven't heard that critique of the democratic free school model before. And Sudbury Valley was kind of my gateway drug into uh, <laughs> alternative schools, and I read all of their books. And their argument is very simple and very compelling. It's, we live in a democracy, why not train um, kids to be effective participants in a democracy? And what I, where I personally kind of, uh, developed from, from that standpoint was, well, actually, we live in a representative <laughs> democracy. It's a republic. Yeah. And uh, we are not actually debating in a sort of direct democratic way every single little motion that's put on table on the table we we elect people and although Sudbury schools do do that also they elect uh, officers um, to make decisions for us and then we we kick those officers out of office and when we don't like the decisions they're making um, so it sounds like you you um, you came from the roots of democratic free schools but you saw some drawbacks to the ways that they operate and it sounds like Nancy you're making the argument that they they do it at the detriment of uh, of the kids sometimes. Well, is that I, correct? I mean, I I would say I mean, you know, it, I am excited that free schools exist and and that kids can have you know that opportunity. I just personally um, like to operate from a place of individual empowerment and just joy and, and happiness and um, don't. When, in the short stint that our school was just a democratic free school, I felt like the kids were focused on policing each other rather than what they uh. wanted to create each day. And I, um, I think that this is just like a, a way that we can just get the kids on that path to feel like, okay, so when I want to create a new reality for myself or a different situation, I have this structure in place where I can go and like work with my community. But for the most part, they're empowered to, do the thing and be a part of and play engage in everything that they want to do all day and not focused on so-and-so did this. I'm going to fill out a form. I'm going to, you know, have this meaning about it. I'm going to, you know, X, Y, and Z. And, and yeah, I think, I think to be fair, since we're getting into the nitty gritty of alternative education uh, models here, <laughs> um, I think Sudbury makes a distinction between themselves and, and like the very loosely genre free school which I think is an important distinction. They have a, um, you know, I have tremendous respect for what they've done. They, they, what you do in a school is you create culture 
and there's various different ways of creating that culture. And sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes you get there quicker. Sometimes you get there slower. But um, you know, at the Sudbury Valley School, I think they've created a really like very clear and transparent culture, which makes it easier for people to come in and operate effectively um, or decide it's not for them. And I think what's what free schools is again like more of a loosely genre thing. Um, and schools that are trying to be Sudbury schools or, or, or working with that model, some of them get there faster or slower in creating that culture. Um, for me, it's just, it is kind of what you brought up, Blake. Like, um, I, I guess I just don't necessarily agree that a, a political de- democratic process, like the emphasis on that, is the most effective way to create healthy culture. And I think that's, that's what Nancy's alluding to in that when you start out from that point of like, okay, there's... 30 kids in a room and you're all free to do what you want. There's no rules. And now we have to vote on, we have to make up all the rules and we have to vote on them. And there's to be, you know, two thirds majority or consensus or what, you know, like you focus on all this process and that's really what agile is trying to get to in software and what it gets to in, in this context too, is like, you know, you should start with your people and, and your processes should always serve your people. And so sometimes that means chucking political processes out and coming up with new ones that are quicker and more effective um, so I, I agree that like when people say, oh, they're, you're practicing democracy because we live in a democratic society. Like I don't actually experience our society that way. And I, I don't, I don't think people make real change in the world by voting. Not to say that it isn't important to vote in certain contexts, but people make real change in the world by, um, you know, having effective relationships, by inventing new systems, by, um, learning how to collaborate with people and, and call out innovation and, um, you know, th- there's, there's skills that are actually useful in making change in the world. And I don't think playing parliament necessarily is like the highest on that list though, through that process, I think kids are learning tremendous things. So I don't, I certainly don't knock, um, schools that are doing almost exactly what we're doing really trying to do the same thing. Um, it's just been through my experience and through the experience of others that I'm working with that we've found that there's, you know, a kind of a more effective way for us at least to, to come about uh, creating these kinds of healthy learning communities. Let's talk about the terms agile and lean, which you've been using for those of us who have you know, no experience in, in the software world. We, it might just sound like you have, uh, you know, kids with high dexterity, yeah, they can move around quickly and jump over things. Yeah, they're, <laughs> um, we only accept cheetahs into the school. Oh, I see. You're a multi-species school. Yeah. Excellent. So, um, so give us the breakdown. What does Agile, what does Lean mean, and, and how are you taking it from this world of computers and software and applying it to a school? Yeah. Um, well, Agile and Lean mean slightly, slightly different things. If you're in that world, they mean very different things, I guess, but um, Agile, at least, um, if you were borrowing the term from software development in the sense that um, there's this thing called the Agile Manifesto that kind of breaks down what Agile software development is about. In software development, it's been about restructuring companies and um, focusing on moving from a place of, like, you know, managers and and um, authoritarian kind of workplaces to a place where people have more freedom and autonomy and where alignment and autonomy can actually be harmonious um, rather than something that you have to fight against. So 
um, for us, Agile Applied to Education is about uh, starting with the kids and recognizing that they have you know, all the inherent value already within them and that our job as facilitators is to create an environment where they can get behind the wheel of their learning and living and they can feel empowered to kind of engage their strengths. And we use, um, we use these tools and practices for kind of scaffolding that self-directed learning process and none of it's things that kids have to do, but are all options for them to, to engage in, to you know, make set intentions for the day, make their intentions visible, reflect daily on how they spend their time and what they're accomplishing and what they're not accomplishing, not from a place of judgment, but for them from a place of, of self-knowledge. So I know in, when I was working in free school, we would say a lot to people like, you know, kids are learning self-awareness. Like that's part of our curriculum. If we had a curriculum or a hidden curriculum, it would be self-awareness. And though I thought though that I believe that was true and it was, what we're actually doing now is really like kind of accelerating that process for them by giving them tools that we use as facilitators and find very effective to facilitate self-awareness. So um, that, and that way they can be like, and I, to me, agile as well as like they can actually be agile enough to interact with the world as it is right now in a traditional school where in, when a child is five, we're preparing them for something 18 years down the road. You know, for example, I know when I went to college, there were, there was no social media. So I could never have been prepared for a job to be a social media manager or and most a lot of what I do is on social media. You know, so how, how are we actually saying that we know what to train them for? And this, the, these things we borrowed from agile um, software management, thinking about how when software um, was you know, booming, um, if you have this like waterfall approach would be the, the opposite where you have like an idea and then you do step one and step two, step three, and then two years later you have this product, but software has changed so much by then that it's outdated. It's kind of like what we're doing with the education model. So what we're doing is giving the kids the tools that actually help them be responsive to what's happening right now. So they're always knowing how to learn and how to know who they are and what um, what their strengths are and what their weaknesses are and how they want to engage in the world. So no matter how the world changes, they can still adapt to it. So give me an example of some of these agile learning tools or systems that you are helping these kids learn and that are a daily part of life in an ALC school. Um, well, so, I mean, I guess some of the basic concepts of like co- co-location and in Agile, you have people of all different departments and expertise on working on, on teams together rather than segregated. So we kind of have that naturally through age mixing and through just kind of self-generative curriculum. But to like the practical stuff is, um, you know, we focus on this kind of what we call this Agile cycle of, of growth or learning of setting intentions, acting and reflecting on them, and then sharing as well. So... Um, so every day kids are, are spending the more they're, they're beginning their day setting intentions for their day and using a tool that we call Kanban uh, or is called Kanban um, to make those tools visible. So Kanban comes from manufacturing and has been adapted to kind of like you know personal time management, um, project management. Um, I'm sure you've heard of Trello, um, Blake, and yeah, I like Trello. It's 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 very helpful. It's it's just to see something visual and see like a to do list and then doing and then done and you get to move the little stickies from one to the next. It's all it's all very exciting. It's basically <laughs> a virtual kanban, and that's what you know. Um, the, the kids will utilize that, and again, it, what 
the reason why we do the, the teacher training and, and all of that part is so important because it's it's really hard to find adults that work with kids that can help kids actually see what is in the done column, what they did do that day or that week, and not judge them for it. That's a big piece. So just like not place placement um, value judgments on on the kids, but just to honestly say, okay, so like how did that feel? Did that feel really good? You know, do you want to do anything differently next week? Um, or, you know, do you want to do something differently tomorrow? What, you know, what do you want to keep doing? Uh, what do you want more of? What do you want less of? So that that's, you know, that we're not grading them it's still free school, but we do want, we do ask that they um, take a look at what they're doing so that they can see what serves them and what doesn't serve them. So my favorite question to ask anyone running an alternative school is what's required at your school? What's non-negotiable? And um, so are these tools like using a Kanban board required to be a member of your school or could... Can a student even chuck that into the, the garbage bin also? Um, they, I, I, I don't know. At my school, I wouldn't say it's like very required. What's required is participation in um, our community meetings. So we ask that they come to um, a set-the-week meeting on Monday mornings where we sketch out our week and just you know, make offerings and schedule out like, oh, this is field trip here, or who wants to, you know, do you, who wants to practice Spanish with me and things like that. Um, or organize a game of tag or a park trip. Um, and then on Fridays, we do a um, change-up meeting. And change-up meeting is our leaner democratic process where we, we just kind of say, hey, you know, um, there are ants in the library, and I really don't think people should be eating in there. Can we try eating only in the art room? Um, let's try that out for a week because it's just not getting clean, you know, or whatever, anything like that. And what does change-up mean, Nancy? What, why that word? Because it's like you change up the school, and, we, and that could even be like, we want more, you know, like, we want, uh, actually, the last change of meeting, the kids asked for longer school, more school on, on Fridays. And, uh, cause we, oh my gosh, that's a first yeah, in the history of education. We um, have half days on Fridays so that staff can meet and, and use the afternoon to connect. Um, and we also do our change up meeting on Fridays. So what we're practicing right now, or we've implemented for this is the second week, we'll do it. I said, well, how about we do change up meeting on Thursdays so Fridays feel longer because you're not, usually change up takes anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes where we discuss different things. So like that's where you come up with solutions to problems. And last week's problem was school's too short on Friday. So that's what we're trying out. So they need to, um, at ALC Mosaic, the school that you started in Charlotte, um, the students have to participate in all group meetings. But otherwise, it's essentially like a free school. They can show up, flop down on the couch, and yeah, uh, play video games the whole time. They can uh, they can do stuff as long as it doesn't break the, the community rules, like you know creating a mess and leaving it there or hurting someone. Yeah, whatever the community agreements we come up with at change at meeting, we ask them to adhere to that. So they have to, you know, we do say that they have to come to that meeting. Yeah, yeah and then oh, go ahead. Go. Uh, I was just going to follow up and, and say, and then do staff members at ALC Mosaic um, do they kind of gently suggest like, oh, if you want to do something, why don't you write it up and put it on this Kanban board, or or kind of gently suggest these other tools without making them a um, a non negotiable? Is is that how it works there? I mean, we, you know, just model it and we we embody it. Charlotte, my coworker, does it. You know, she's been really trying to have like this big physical Kanban to like limit her what we call her, her our whip our work in progress so you should only have one do thing in your doing column so you can focus on doing it without getting distracted um and so she'll like actually 
do it very visually in the room. Like I'm doing this now because there's, you know, with kids all around, you can get distracted. Um, so we model it and we do like, I mean, I, I talk to the kids too. I ask about, um, you know, when they're, I tell them on the Trello boards, I do like to capture things and accomplishments that they do. And, um, one of the kids asked why, and I'm like, well, you know, I had a kid last year who left and wanted to apply to a summer camp and, I had to write up a narrative transcript of what she did at school so that she could get into the summer camp. Um, I can't remember the, what 23 kids do, so I do need to capture some sometimes, you know. Yeah. So they actually just understand that, and they're, they're just like, okay, cool, that makes sense. Yeah, I think a lot of them are appreciative of, I mean, especially the older kids in New York, we have some, an older, slightly older population, and um, having that feedback that you can go through and, like, see all these, this done column or, or printed out and, you know, play with it in a spreadsheet of all the stuff you enacted and completed in a year. Um, you know, maybe it's never really useful for you to look back at that and then someday it will be really useful or, or maybe you engage with it a lot like I do. And, and you know, another agile principle is this idea of doing like a retrospective of, of really documenting everything that you do and then evaluating it on a regular basis so you can see for yourself, like, how am I spending my time and is it effective and like what am I where's my log jams like what am I spending a lot of time on that isn't really is like effective use of my time or isn't making me happy or isn't serving me and um, make informed decisions about what you want to do next so um, I think that you know there's this it's that idea of having data and information but but being clear that it's for the individual who whose data it is to benefit their own you know their own process and their own learning this sounds like life training that everyone deserves a chance to get. It's like, how do I self-reflect and realize when I'm being effective or not effective? Uh, how do I figure out what I want? And then, you know, break it down to little steps and only work on one step at a time. That's uh, what most parents say at the pins. Like, well, we want to go to this school too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, I think one other distinction I would, I mean, um, when we're talking about what kids have to agree to, we, we have a student agreement that we ask them to sign at the beginning of the year that just basically lists some basic things that Nancy said, you know, like respecting yourself and others and showing up to these like meetings that take up all of, you know, 10% of your day. Um, and um, I, I view what we're, what ALCs are as more of an, I think we said, I said it in the beginning, as an, an intentional learning community more than a school or more than a free school. Um, I know Sudbury really focuses on, is kind of like a libertarian democracy in a lot of ways. It's very much about, you know, the individual is, is king. And if culture happens, it'll be, you know, because it happens in little pockets that little individuals create. And, um, you know, we, we do have some stuff where we're, where we're kind of saying like, well, creating culture and having community is part of the buy-in. And so if you, if you just want to like hang out in your room and play video, all day, video games all day or read alone all day and not be bothered, then you know, maybe it doesn't make sense to come to an ALC. Um, but you certainly, have, you certainly could have 90% of your day to do those things um, alone if you wanted to, and that would be fine too. If, if you're willing to come and hear what you know, people have to say at the change-up meeting and coming to set the week and hearing you know, different, different offerings, then if you want to be alone all day, sure, but you can't just opt out of um, being a part of just those minimal uh, meetings. And I imagine as with many democratic free schools or with North star model centers, uh, you have some kids who might do that and spend all of their time sort of observing for a period in the beginning before they 
they buy in and come around and start becoming more active participants. They sort of go through a de-schooling period. Uh, Is that true? Yeah, I've seen kids de-school in all different kinds of ways. (laughs) Um, It's, it's, it's been, um, it's just been interesting to watch. I don't, I don't even know where to start on that. (laughs) Every kid's different. I mean, there's some kids that show up and it's like, you know, surprisingly they've been in school for eight years and this is just like this paradise that they didn't know existed. And here they are like just ready to jump in and take advantage of everything and try everything and like are contributing members and like, you know, really add a lot to the culture and the environment and the energy. And then there's kids who you, you know, you'd think would have no reason to not experience it that way and really take, need to take a lot of time to kind of find their, their engagement point. So, you know, as facilitators, you just have to have spaciousness for people and, and patience. And, and again, that's like the whole perspective we're taking is that, um, you know, we're, we're loving and trusting people to develop on their own terms and just creating a safe container for them to engage in a supportive and healthy and loving community while they do it. Well, and that, another thing to mention is, um, so we do have the set the week meeting on Monday and the change it meeting on Friday, but they check in and out every morning in what we call spawn points because so many kids like Minecraft, they call them the spawn points, um, where a small group of students with just one facilitator, you know, I have a group of kids and Charlotte has a group of kids and Dan has a group of kids down here and um, hear what they want to do that day and just kind of like remind them, hey, so, you know, on Monday we said that today we're going to, you know, cook. There's a group of people cooking. Um, there's a group of people going on a park trip at two. There's, you know, think just remind them of the, because they're children. Um, and say, you know, do you guys have anything else? Do you need any other support from me? We kind of go around and share intentions. And this takes all of 10 minutes. But um, it's also just so that an adult, you know, is there kind of like noticing the nuances. Like we kind of see like when one kid's kind of down because they got into a fight with their friend or something else is going on. Um, and and I think it's important for us to just have real relationships with them and breaking them up into smaller groups to kind of start out their day. And then at the end of the day, reflect with that same small group. I think... Um, if you if you have a facilitator who again is really Im- embodying all of the the values that we um, have, and especially around the um, just seeing and seeing and holding every child in light, um, really helps again add to the the community and adds to the culture and helps kids feel safe and like they have someone to go to if they have a problem. And what you just identified, Nancy, regarding the, the daily check-ins and the power of small groups and the importance of having real relationships, uh, that's a lot of what I took away when I started working at Not Back to School Camp, uh, run by Grace Llewellyn, because those are very foundational aspects of that camp also. And those are very new to me. Um, despite having read everything about Sudbury, everything about uh, a lot of different alternative school models. Um, and so, anyway, I'm really glad to hear that those are important parts of your school. Um, before we get carried away talking too much about schools, I, I want to make sure I get each of your personal stories, your sort of origin stories. And so I, I just want to know how you ended up here, what, doing what you are now, what, what you're doing now. So can we start with you, Nancy? Uh, sure. Um, so I, you know, I've been wanting to be a teacher since I was 15 or so and um, ended up going to college and teaching in public schools for three years. And by my third year, it was um, really clear to me that I could not, I felt like I was hurting children more than I was helping them. So I quit my job and fortunately found this small Quaker school that was getting ready to close 
here in Charlotte, they had, you know, um, it only been open for two years and they um, had dropped from 17 students to six kids and asked if I would come and work for very little money to help them out. And so I did that for three years and we grew the school up to about 17 kids and it was awesome and such a great learning experience. But um, because I had, it was, I was one of two teach one, one of two um, staff members there and a halftime head. Um, and I had a lot of freedom and through that freedom discovered, um, you know, I visited lots of alternative schools and discovered a lot of different things and kind of grew apart from their, some of the fundamental things that they were doing. Cause I kind of felt like these, you know, progressive schools were, you know, you've got like public schools, which I feel like are honestly run like prisons. And then you've got um, some progressive schools that are just kind of like nicer, kinder prisons. Um, (laughs) Ouch. So I wanted, I I was just, I grew to become too radical for even this little small alternative school. So um, I quit as well and then said, well, you know, I um, maybe one day in the future in five or 10 years, I'll start a school. I'll just, um, you know, I was, I got some other job for work and I remember I started journaling every day, like what would the perfect school be like? Um, event, and then, you know, what, four or five months after I quit that job was um, reached out to by a parent co-op community here in Charlotte that heard through, just because a lot of alternative parents kind of knew of me here, um, heard that I didn't have, I wasn't working with kids and said, do you want to work with kids? And I was like, absolutely. So I worked with that parent group for eight months before um, I worked, I, I started a homeschool co-op in January of 2013 and then opened as a full-blown school in August of 2013 and spent a lot of time with those parents reading tons of books. We read um, Summer Hill, we read Free to Learn, we read, um, oh gosh, so, so many, but I think that was a really important thing for us to do because when, when, we, when I did open, we had such a solid foundation so that um, there was always a school in existence and other people could come and try it out and, and leave and discern if it didn't work for them. But but we kind of always knew that this was, that, that we could move forward. Um, but we opened as a democratic free school after reading Summerhill and, and Sudbury, you know, books and, and things like that. And as we discussed earlier, I, I, um, there were certain things about the kids policing each other and just like the, the meeting process that I just wasn't really excited about. And also come, I would say November, I was so worn out and <laughs> overworked and stressed out because I had never run a business before. I have no accounting or bookkeeping experience at all. And that was really tough. And, um, and then on top of that was working with children all day and then all night trying to do the stuff on the back end and, um, was just exhausted. And I thought there just had to be another way. And I was still, um, really lonely too, you know, working in the the small school before and, and kind of doing this by myself. I just was trying any way I could just to find other, um, people to work with another, people that I felt like I could grow with and, and learn from. Um, so I heard about Agile Learning Centers through a mutual friend, Dave Tobias, um, who who told me after meeting me that I would really like what they were doing. And I ended up meeting Thomas. And by uh, January of uh, 14, was clear that I wanted to make our school an Agile Learning Center. And Arthur and Thomas came down and worked with our communities and um, – I would say from January to March, the school ended up doubling in size. And, you know, now we have two different campuses and serve kids as young as two and up to, you know, 13. And as they get older, older, 
and it's just been uh, an incredible journey and path and um, that's my story. <laughs> so the Mosaic School turned into ALC Mosaic after you got involved with um, with ALC and uh, did you just was it a big transition between uh, the first organization and, and the second or did you just sort of add on these agile learning tools and um, and it wasn't a big deal? You know, it, it, in the beginning, it was actually um, surprisingly simple. The school was closed for winter break, and then I kind of like reset in, in January, and Arthur had come down, and he kind of was there that first week. And it was just, um, I started using a Kanban board with one of the oldest kids who had been in a lot of um, public, had just not a good public school experience, and, and that was kind of detoxing into our community. And um, I just felt like he needed a little more direction and like, okay, so what do you want to do today? Like, what are you excited to do? And I was using this Kanban board with him. And then just naturally, like all the other kids were like, we want to tell you what we want to do. Like, I want to do a science project and like, I want to, you know, play with the blocks and I want to. You know, I want to learn about butterflies, and it was just. And then, by I never made, in, I never asked any other kid besides the oldest kid to use one, um, use a Kanban board. And I remember by March, like the youngest five-year-old's, like, "Well, where's my Kanban board? I want to tell you what I want to do today." Like, um, it was, it was. I think that again goes back to that cultural reset. The re, the focus was on what do you want to do, what do you want to create, what do you want to learn about, what do you want to know, what do you want to explore. And, and the kids all have many things to say about that. Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Where'd you come from, Thomas? <laughs> How far back do we start? Um, well, when I was in first grade, <laughs> no. well, no, no. sort of, actually. Um, I'll briefly say, when people ask me this question, um, when I was in first grade, I was homeschooled, and when I was... And then I went back to school halfway through second grade because um, I was bored and I, was, I lived in an area where I didn't have friends accessible. And I remember taking a test to see where they, like, for them to test me, like, where, where I was. And my homeschool regimen was for that for first grade year was to get up at 10 a.m. and be done with school by noon and play all day, play the rest of the day. And so when I went back, I was well ahead of everyone in, in like, the reading books and curriculum and stuff and so that, that that was the first time a light bulb went off in my head very clearly about school and I was just kind of like what the hell have you guys been doing this whole time so <laughs> um, that was a formative thing for me but I got into this whole business a long time ago I guess right after college um, I discovered I, I found the book uh, Summerhill as a lot of people do then at some point through reading Eric Fromm in in college on my own and through a, a friend's recommendation and I moved to to Manhattan to work with Manhattan Free School in which had just started up in 2009 um, it had started in 2008 and I worked with that school for about four years um, a woman a, a really lovely woman Pat Werner founded the school and and really kind of held it together um, that whole time and just uh, she was just somebody who loved people too um, you know, to, to the limit. And it was amazing working with her and just kind of like basking in, in that energy that she had of just always seeing the, the best in people. Um, but I think she just kind of got burned out eventually because she was ca carrying so much of the operation and trying to figure things out and trying to say yes to a lot of people. Um, and she resigned right before the, 
2011, 12 school year, I think. And, um, I was also really burned out after the end of that year and was planning to take some time off from the whole thing so that I wouldn't lose my, my commitment and passion to it. Cause I was, I was getting pretty burned out trying to make it work there. Um, and so luckily, um, that's when Arthur stepped in and kind of, you know, this opportunity where the school was going to close became an opportunity to try this new thing out that we had been talking about for a few months leading up to that point. So luckily he stepped in and with the help of my best friend, Aaron, who was just working at the school at that time, stayed on to work. Um, and another friend, uh, Eric Bear, who I work with now in ALC, helped support the school that year while I had some time away and spent that time learning about education technology and kind of bringing myself up to speed with all that and learning about Agile and, and the ins and outs of that and kind of working with Arthur behind the scenes to develop the concepts of this model and, and the bigger vision for the project. And then the following summer, after testing some of those ideas at the school, we I kind of took the project on as saying like committing to it and, um, and it was birthed the summer of 2013 at, uh, what is called Emerging Leader Labs, which is uh, another project that Arthur started with a, a friend of his, which is basically an eight-week residential social change incubator kind of program. Um, so that was extremely formative for for this project because it kind of created the, the DNA of what we're doing. Um, we, we kind of created our own Agile Learning Center at Emerging Leader Labs and really like learned how to, to work on creating culture first in this context. Um, so then we launched, we kind of launched the whole ALC thing officially that fall in 2013 at what was Manhattan free school, um, with six kids and me and, and my good friend Ryan who facilitates there now still. And, um, Nancy came and visited us that fall and, um, basically created the opportunity for the, the big part of the vision was to create a network of schools, not just one, um, school. So, um, that's something that was really struck me in my experience with alternative schools is that there's lots of them around the country that are fighting to exist and kind of doing it independently. And they all come together for the Aero conference or whatever, and get really excited and then go back to our world where we're alone and isolated. So a big vision that I was holding for this was that we, you know, create a community of facilitators and we, we have a network of support so that, that first fall, actually, we created a meetup group in New York, and the, what we first used the term ALF, or Agile Learning Facilitator, we had ALF meetups. and Not to be confused with the alien that eats cats. Exactly, yeah. I I'm, I'm just want to make sure. Personal, personal goal that one day when you Google ALF, um, Agile Learning Facilitator will come up. Ooh, and, uh, ooh that's, a, that's a tough one. Yeah, that, yeah <laughs> I, I, sh- I should probably be careful with that declaration. That's... That's pretty ambitious, but anyway. Yeah, I, I want to hear about your vision for Agile Learning Facilitators. We just have uh, a few minutes left, and so <laughs> g- give me the, the good stuff. Um, yeah, well, like I said, I mean, we, at the end of Emerging Leader Labs, I remember having like a kind of aha moment when we had this idea, and it kind of came from really like the reality of at, at the free school, you have lots of almost more adults than students like reach out to you because you're this like niche, like, you know, for like radical schooling concepts. So there's all these adults studying education somewhere that are like reaching out to you and they want to volunteer and they want to get involved. So we saw it as a way of kind of taking that action potential and doing something with it. So we invited all the people who had reached out to us about volunteering to this, to a meetup 
where we were going to share with them some of the tools and practices we were using and some of the visions we had and basically say, hey, like this is this idea we have and we think it's awesome and we think it could, could do big things. And it's only going to do big things if people come in and like make it happen with us. So we we're basically offering people an opportunity to come in and create their own jobs, create their own value, do something for the project that, that gave it momentum so that it could sustain them. And people started doing that in different ways. So we attracted more staff members that way. And then, and then I kind of pitched that to Nancy. And then she, she helped me take it to the next level with, with creating Alf Summer, which is this you know, kind of miniature version of Emerging Leader Labs where we co-train, co-create um, with each other and kind of create our own ALC so that we're practicing what we're, what we're holding for the kids. We're, we're practicing doing it ourselves. And, and the, the way you described it to me that I really like, Thomas, is that ALF, Agile Learning Facilitators, the training is sort of a teacher's college for self-directed learning. And, and so you're, are you training people to start their own organizations or to go back and work with their families? or It, it could to- be all of the above. It could be someone who's just interested in the projects and, and you know wants to kind of understand what we're doing. It could be someone wanting to start a homeschool collective, someone wanting to start a school. We have that, you know, that happen. Or people who want to work in, in an, an ALC that just know that this is um, kind of like a, a part that's important to me that, that a person has like kind of that foundation. And we, it's, it's really interesting, you know, we have like a week where we kind of run through a bunch of different um we run through tools and practices, but then we also have some like really deep dives into the, the foundations. And then um, in there, we do a two-week summer camp so that people who want to facilitate with kids actually get to facilitate with kids and be around people who have been doing it longer. And, and then we can kind of you know talk about it and reflect. And then we have a week after where we do like a kind of like deep, you know well what what are next steps? How did this go? What you know what went well? What didn't you know go well? What can we do next time? kind of thing and um it it's just it's amazing to um actually have like this this community of people that actually support each other and and after last year's out summer you know we do um calls every single monday night and now we're not no longer isolated schools i get to you know talk to ryan and abby up in new york and then my friend alex who just started an alc in puerto rico and man you know like this thing was going on today i'm really struggling with it like have you, have you guys come up with come up with something like this before and then we just all talk about it and really look forward to that connection time and then keep that momentum going through to the next um out summer and i see that you've got groups in everett washington in other parts of new york in oahu in melbourne Asheville, Summertown, Tennessee. Uh, these are all different groups and some of them are startups, but it seems like you're really building a, a robust network all across North America and, well, Australia too. Um, why don't we close with this question? Uh, where, um, where would you like to see agile learning centers in, in five years? What is your, 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 your big enchilada vision of success for this? Mm. Um, I don't know. I mean, I have lots of different fantasies of how that could go. I try not to be too attached to any of them, but at the same time, you know, just continue to remain driven towards creating new things. Uh, for me, it's really more about focusing on like on what we do at, at our summer and what we do day to day in the schools. I, I want to see a really like well-connected, thriving, generative facilitator community and network that that does things together, that produces together, that 
that spends time together um, and continues to you know attract really talented people to do this work. Um, that's something I think that's been challenging for alternative ed and. Um, I also want to see, you know, the ALCs that we have just like thriving and just um, experiencing, you know, new plateaus of like what a, what a generative rather than a consumptive education can be like. Um, I'm also really interested in what we can do with online collaborative tools and attracting people to, to that want to help us build, you know, tools for online collaboration um, for having like an intentional online learning community and what's possible with that. Um, if you have, you know, to have a social network that actually supports physical locations. Um, and lastly, I'll say, I, I see a, a network that, you know, where facilitators are spending a week at a different ALC for professional development slash vacation <laughs> and um, where kids are traveling to other agile learning centers to experience, you know, the same kind of education in a different culture and a different community. Majority um, starts to, majority is happening now with our kids going up to New York and things like that. It's kind of exciting. My guests today have been Thomas Parker and Nancy Tilton. Thomas and Nancy, thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much, Blake. Thanks, Blake. This is the Real Education Podcast. This show is produced with the assistance of Zen Zenith, who also created the music. For more episodes, visit blakebowles.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you again soon.